absolutely destroyed. And it doesn't help that one of the biggest whales in crypto is now dumping the majority of their tokens. So in today's show, I want to give you guys a market update on exactly what's going on, the reasons why the market has crashed, my outlook for how I think things could play out over the next few weeks, and then also the big story, which is a whale that is obviously dumping their altcoins and is putting supply pressure onto the market. And I'm going to go through some of the altcoins that they are holding. So if you're holding the similar altcoins, you're well prepared potentially for what is to come. It's going to be a massive show. It's a crazy day on the market. Honestly, the reason I'm late streaming today is because there was so much news. I usually wake up two hours before the shows to prep um, content for the show. But today it look, took like three hours because there was literally just so much news coming through. We had... Um, issues with Huobi. We had uh, ETH being called a security by the by the New York courts, um, or sorry, the, the district attorney. Then we had, um, yeah, whales dumping their coins. We had news about the jobless claims come out and spook markets. We had Silicon Valley Bank collapse. We had so much go on um, that it took just extra long to plan this show. But hopefully uh, by the end of the show, you're going to have a lot of clarity on what's actually going on and what I envisioned from the market and that kind of stuff. The first thing I want to touch on is the liquidations. There was a lot of late uh, longs that actually ended up getting liquidated. So $278 million uh, worth of liquidations over the last 24 hours. And these are basically people that were trying to take those longs at the 21.5 region, which was that next next region of support that we shot straight through. And Bitcoin ended up uh, coming even lower back down to test that 20 K level. So anyone that long 21.5 unfortunately got wrecked. Um, and we could see some of the tokens that people got wrecked the most on were Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Huobi. We're going to talk about uh, what's happening with exchanges right now, as well as a segment of this video. Um, Solana, of course, being one of the weakest performers in this market, really lacks relative strength. Uh, Filecoin, ahead of their FVM, they pumped really hard. As we know with altcoins, altcoins that pump super hard tend to drop the most. And then also Doge is an altcoin that's being um, heavily speculated on. It's like a retail coin. So when retail comes in and tries to ape, often we do see Doge leading the liquidations. So let's firstly talk about what is happening in terms of Bitcoin on a high time frame to just contextualize where we are. To be honest, the narrative I've been pushing for the last couple months is still the same. The narrative on yesterday's show is still the same. And that is the fact we are in a, uh, a range essentially since um, July 2022. We can see the bottom of the range is at around 18K. The top of the range is around 25K. A couple of weeks ago, we tried to test the upper bound of the range at 25K and got rejected. Um, this resulted in us coming down to mid-range. Uh, which is the 21.5 level. That was the next level that Bitcoin needed to hold. And now we've had the extension down into the lower half of the range, uh, coinciding with that 200 MA, which we are currently testing. So essentially, nothing really has changed for Bitcoin. And unfortunately, this is just a range-bound environment. And it's there's a high possibility that we continue to just chop in this range, um, which kind of means it's a very difficult market to to trade especially if like you're, you're trying to long the market because you've got like clear um, like invalidation here at, at the 25K. And it's just uh, like difficult market conditions in general because what tends to happen in like sideways range-bound environments is people just get chopped out because you get huge pumps, people FOMO in like around the 24 to 25K region. Then they end up getting wrecked and then they like tend to panic and, and FOMO out of the market. And then you see like a, a bounce from the bottom of the range when everyone starts shorting and then they get wrecked. And then like basically longs and shorts all get wrecked. So for you guys to not get wrecked, just keep in mind that we are currently in a range. And when you have an environment like this, 
longing towards the bottom of the range is much better and shorting or at least taking profits um which is what i did because you guys know i'm not a huge like um you know leverage shorter of this market uh taking profits around the 25 region is good until you get invalidation to either side we did have one deviation which was the ftx collapse uh last year from a technical an analysis perspective i would consider this to be and I, many other traders would consider this to be deviation considering we had like unprecedented uh liquidations that was essentially a black swan event so for me for all intents and purposes the 17 5 to 18k region is like the lower um end of the range you could even draw it up here um which has you know a few more touches which is the 18k region and then, yeah, obviously 25K is still clearly that level Bitcoin failed to break out of. So that is currently where we sit. And I'm going to get into the lower time frame stuff uh, in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about what is happening from a, a macro perspective. And then we'll get into some Bitcoin uh, trade scenarios. So essentially, yesterday we had US jobless claims jump to the highest level since December. So this is essentially the amount of people um, that are declaring themselves as unemployed. So unemployment claims increased to 211,000 in the week ended March 4. Continuing claims surged to 1.72 million in the week ended Feb 25. And this is kind of a weird one. It's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, um, when you see more people unemployed, that's really bad for the uh, economy. That shows like the economy um, is in a really tricky situation. And then on the other hand, it's kind of bullish for markets um, at least like risk markets, because that indicates maybe like the Fed doesn't have so much of a license to keep hiking rates if they're crushing the labor market. But in this scenario, I think the reason markets reacted badly, and obviously this was in tandem with a lot of other news, but one of the reasons the market reacted badly is because inflation is still fairly sticky. It's coming down, but it's not coming down quickly. But we are now seeing um, the effects starting to hit the economy. So the Fed is now in between like a rock and a hard place of, you know, we can't really start cutting rates because inflation is a problem and inflation is going to hurt these people even more. So we have to keep like towing our hawkish line. But at the same time, we're starting to see like pretty bad economic data come in. Now, in general, economic data has been solid. Um, it's been okay. And that's why they've continued to, to hike rates so like um, aggressively, or at least like the, the tone of Jerome Powell's speeches have been um, hawkish. But like, it'll be very interesting to see how things continue to play out if we keep getting bad data. So let's see how things progress. But in general, the economy is just in a very tricky spot. And crypto, like at the end of the day, it can't really run in, a, in an iffy macro um, economic environment. Bitcoin thrives in a low interest rate environment. It thrives during times of quantitative easing. It's never really dealt with a quantitative tightening environment. And this is obviously going to put um, pressures on, on not only the price, but uh, the general sentiment, because right now people don't really even want to be in risk assets like equities, let alone um, invest in Bitcoin and let alone altcoins, which are even riskier than Bitcoin. So that's part of the reason, obviously, why, why we've seen this sell-off. Now, the other reason is the uh, fact that the target rate probabilities for the next FOMC has now hit a 61% probability of a 50 basis point hike. Now, yesterday, it was actually 77%. So the jobless um, claims data has resulted in a slight decrease in this expectation. But for like the market's still um, pricing in the probability that they do hike 50 BPS versus 25 BPS. And I think that is what's going to inevitably happen. If we do see like a shock 25 BPS hike, that would be great for markets. Bitcoin would likely bounce off, off mid-range um, and then, you know, have a slight push up. And so would equities. But I mean, we have to think probabilistically, and that is that we are going to get a 50 BPS hike. But the probabilities did actually drop overnight 
Um, but the meeting probabilities for the longer-term pace of rate hikes, as I discussed in yesterday's show, is still fairly high, with roughly a 35% chance that rates go to 5.75%. We're now seeing roughly like a 20% chance that we actually see a 600 um, BIPs interest rate, which is kind of crazy, by this summer, which is like basically un- like a few weeks ago, we didn't even think it would be a 1% chance of that happening. Now it's like approaching the 20% range that it that actually will be the case. So uh, that's obviously going to put pressure on markets with interest rates continuing to rise. And that's really the major headwind. But I've talked a lot about this in previous shows, so um, I'll kind of keep that segment brief. Kabisi did a tweet. He said liquidity is disappearing all around the board. The S&P 500 lost $600 billion in two hours. Crypto markets down $40 billion today. The four biggest US banks down $50 billion today. Bond markets trading like meme stocks. The reason he says this is because two-year treasury yields continue to like rally. Um, they've gone from like 0.5% to like 5.1% um, over the past two couple of years, which is absolutely insane. Like basically, uh, you know, like a 10x in, uh, in in treasury yields, which is pretty nuts considering that's supposed to be like a, a relatively stable asset. But we've obviously had a major shift in the macro um, monetary policy from the Fed. Uh, all buyers are gone as inflation is here to stay. So yeah, sticky inflation, bad job data. It's kind of like a, a really weird and iffy combo for the market. This comes after what appears to be a historic move in markets. US bank deposits fell for the first time since 1948. More specifically, accounts with 250,000 plus contributed the most to this. What does this mean? A massive amount of capital was put back into markets. Investors were betting on a Fed pivot once again, and that's part of the reason why crypto rallied alongside stocks as data seemed promising. However, the CPI, PPI inflation data was revised higher since then. Now the Fed can no longer pivot as disinflation is not nearly as strong as previously reported. The data has literally changed. That brings us to today, a market with diminishing liquidity. Sideline capital that rotated back into markets in late 2022 is trapped with low investor confidence and diminishing liquidity. Pressure is building. Um, that's essentially what's happening right now. Very, very bad consumer sentiment, revised higher data. Um, the Fed towing this higher for longer line, as we saw in Jerome Powell's press conference a couple of days ago. Um, and then, you know, also upcoming CPI data on Tuesday, uh, as, as well as the FOMC following that, which is going to be probably the major driver of markets, but they're obviously going risk off prior um, to this meeting, which, as I said before, we're expecting a 50 BPS hike. So how's the stock market reacted to all the turmoil? Well, quite badly. And this is actually the reason why crypto dropped um, significantly overnight, and obviously altcoins dropped significantly, is because the stock market um, had a major, major, major sell-off. So we look uh, on the daily chart here, we could see the stock market's down like 3 to 4%. Um, the S&P, which is uh, sorry, on the daily, it's down 2%. Over the last three days, it's down 3 to 4%, which for stocks, maybe not for crypto, uh, it's not a big move, but for stocks, it's a massive move. And it actually broke a few key levels, which is very concerning. So actually confluence of three levels um, at the moment. So we have the horizontal level at 4,000, very strong psychological level for the S&P, obviously broke through that. Um, also broke through the diagonal trend on the shorter timeframes, on the, um, sorry, smaller t- timeframes. You can see this, like on the four hourly, we broke through that trend. And on the um, daily, we also broke through, and on the four hourly, the 200 MA, which is like our momentum indicator. So it's basically lost all momentum. And if we look at the, like, I guess, um, more macro outlook of the general price action of the stock market, we can see we continuously print a lower high. So we see a lower high coming here in, in April, a lower high in September. Um, we actually did make a, a, a temporary higher high 
in January, but we just made our lower high versus uh, the December um, highs. So essentially what we've seen is basically like a downwards uh, pattern compression channel. And this has resulted in yeah, bearish price momentum. So in general, until you start flipping these levels in the stock market, and I'll outline the levels here, um, first thing you want to see is 4K uh, flip again and, and actually hold on a, on a higher time frame like the daily, then the stock market is looking very, very bearish. And the problem is we also have these lows. We have the um, 36 low uh, last May. We have the 34 low in September, which is, you know, that's obviously um, a lot further away from where we currently are. But does this channel um, end up resulting in not only downside in its upper um in the upper end of the channel, but also downside in the lower end of the channel. So what I mean by that is not only make lower highs, but also make lower lows. So that would result in something like this playing out. And this is like a bearish, um, and it might, probably wouldn't happen straight. It'd probably be like a lot of chop and this kind of stuff, but like, you know, continuation of this, of this range. Let's see what actually ends up happening. It's a lot of scribble. It's a lot of speculation. I'm just kind of painting the picture for you guys that, um, you know, the stock market's currently in a downtrend and we've broken key levels. And crypto, when stocks start to sell off, obviously doesn't fare well. So I said before I'd get into my Bitcoin chart. Now I want to go through what I'm seeing on Bitcoin. So we've identified the fact we are in like a range and we've broken through mid-range. We've also identified that we're currently on very key support with the 200MA. Honestly, guys, right now from a from a zoomed out perspective, it looks like 18K is a logical level to come test. But on the four hourly, there are some... Um, shorter-term moves I do want to have a look at. Now, I just want to remind you that in a few minutes, um, I'm going to be going through the altcoins that a few whales are uh, actually selling quite aggressively now and you know why it matters for the market and why there is additional sell pressure on the market. So that's a big, big story, but I'm saving that until the second half of the video because I want to clear through some of the important um, Bitcoin macro charts, macro news before we get into um, all of that stuff. I would say get into that fun stuff, but to be honest, it's not very fun. It's kind of a, a big downer, but I think you guys um, uh, kind of need to be prepared for potentially um, the sell pressure that's on the table. And I always want to keep you updated uh, with the market. So, all right, on the four alley chart, um, so zooming in, obviously compressing it into our range a little bit. Let's have a look at what is happening uh, with Bitcoin. Now, we broke below the 21.5 level. As I said on yesterday's show, that was a very, very key level for Bitcoin to hold, shot through, and we've already come down probably quicker than many people expected to the 20K level on Bitcoin. Now, 20K is a massive psychological level for Bitcoin. We can see this because it's acted as an area of support and resistance many times throughout Bitcoin's history. And once again, we are coming um, down to test 20,000. Uh, now, from a short-term perspective, this is uh, a support zone. So you can actually take a long at 20,000 from a short-term perspective. Now, I split up my portfolio into long-term and short-term stuff. Long-term, uh, I'm mostly in cash. Long-term, I don't think risk-reward on alts is fantastic. Short-term, if I'm taking a trade, I'm actually not shorting here. I'm more looking at longing simply because shorting uh, Bitcoin right now is like, kind of shorting already after like a massive move to the downside, um, like already like an 8% move over the last couple of days. Now, I do think the probability of us hitting range low is quite high. So from a macro perspective, I think being like net short could end up working. But from like a shorter time frame um, perspective, especially on the four hourly chart, one hourly chart, there's a chance Bitcoin does have a little move up here to back to the 21K region. Of course, the data on Tuesday is going to be like a big dictator of the move we get. But from a pure TA perspective, um, if you're like a real gambler, you can actually long uh, support at these levels. Now, for altcoins, 
the unfortunate thing is they don't have relative strength and there are more supply pressures on a lot of altcoins because of what I'm going to talk about soon, um, which is kind of putting pressure on a lot of those markets. So for, for in terms of longing altcoins, yes, they bounce more, but it's just much easier to get uh, liquidated. So the thing is you have to use or stopped out, of course. So you have to use much less leverage if you're using um, altcoins. Longing now is like not like a high risk reward trade, which is why like I'd probably just stick to Bitcoin and Ethereum and I'll probably just stick to like, you know, very small percentages on like a short term bounce. Not a great trade, but kind of just like framing what I think could happen in the very, very short term for you guys. In terms of like the longer term, um, obviously Bitcoin is also making lower highs, failed to break uh, and make a new high here, failed to break 25k here, broke down from its diagonal trend here. And I'll zoom in so you can just see it a little bit better. That's the wrong screen, this screen. Um, yeah, failed to break its trend here and then also broke through the 21.5 um, as well as the 200 MA on the four hourly. So basically broke every major support. 20K is like the next support and then it's 18K. So we don't hold 20, we go to 18 um, or we may get a short-term bounce here. That's basically the summary of what I'm seeing on Bitcoin. But in general, what you have to remember is we're in a range. This is like currently just a range-bound um, sideways choppy environment until we get a significant move either side. Once again, I'm counting FTX as deviation. Then there's not really in the way, there's not really much in the um, way of like a long-term long or a long-term short. Everything else just becomes kind of uh, like a trade, like a shorter-term trade in between. And that's why I'm more focused on lower time frame stuff uh, than going crazy, like aping into, into altcoins right now. Speaking of altcoins, Ethereum is actually at a very key level, more key than Ethereum actually, because this is the 2018 all-time high that Ethereum is currently testing. Huge level of, of resistance for Ethereum and also huge level of support at the moment for Ethereum. It also has confluence with what I think is one of the strongest indicators in crypto, and that's the 200 MA on the daily. So not only are we testing the 218 all-time high, we're also testing uh, the 200 um, moving average on the daily. Now, if you just need a bit of proof as to how important this indicator is, look at what happened last time we rejected off it in 2022. Massive dump. Look what happened if, when we rejected in December um, and November. Massive dump. Look what happened when we broke through later on in the year. Massive pump. So this indicator tends to result in huge price movements. So that's why holding this for Ethereum is very, very key. You break this, then we have lower targets of 1 to 1.2K in the very short term. Um, but you know, you hold here and then you have a small chance of a push up to the 15 to 1600 region. I think 1600 is optimistic. 75 BPS is basically like has to happen for that to be, occur. I think more likely uh, this zone is, is a level that I'd look at, um, the 1500 level. Uh, and then, you know, you can also look at shorting that zone or longing up to that zone. But yeah, basically Ethereum is at a very key level right now with these two uh, confluence points. So keep your eye on ETH on the daily. ETH is similar to Bitcoin uh, in the sense that it is in a range. So its range actually has 218s, 218, 2018's all-time high as its mid-range, which is like a key level. So it may bounce off mid-range. If not, then you've got range lows at around $1,000. That would be kind of the next level of support for ETH. So similar to Bitcoin, we're kind of in this um, choppy range-bound environment. A flip below of the 2018 all-time high would mean we're going to range lo um, lows. So keep your eye on how Ethereum reacts to the mid-range. Pretty important level for ETH. Uh, and obviously that does lead a lot of alts. I would say going into the Shanghai upgrade too, there's like slight pressures on ETH, at least from a sentiment perspective with you know expected unlocks to occur. Last week I did a video on how I think unlocks will affect the market. 
Check that out if you want more information. The TLDR is, I don't think, massively, but uh, obviously the, the narrative itself is enough to drive some, I guess, bearish price momentum. So now I want to get into some news and talk about what is happening uh, in the crypto market in general, because there's been a lot of huge, scary, crazy stories overnight, which have exacerbated Bitcoin's drop. So clearly the stock market dropping was the major driver, but the reason why a lot of altcoins sold off harder um, is firstly because of major liquidations we're getting from some whales, and secondly, because of some huge news um, that broke out. So look, if you do want to trade any of this price action, uh, you, you can do so on OKX. Once again, I'd be fairly reasonable with how I trade. Obviously, you have to make your own investment decisions, but I wouldn't be um, using crazy leverage or doing anything too insane right now. But if you want to kind of play that short-term bounce, like I talked about, or if you want to play um, any sort of like short setup on altcoins, uh, if we do get a move to the upside, once again, I don't think shorting right now is like a great move just from a risk-reward perspective. But obviously, what you do is your choice. Um, there's a link in the description to an OKX account. Uh, they have a $10,000 mystery box. So if you sign up, deposit $50, you can get access to uh, potentially a $10,000 mystery box. Maybe you can win something to make yourself feel better on a uh, on a day like today, which is obviously like a pretty tough day in the market. So link in the description for that um, if, you, if you if you do want to get involved. And like it's a pretty good exchange to trade on. I've always had a good experience with it. Okay, let's get into the news because there was a lot of news. So the first thing is, we saw the Silicon Valley Bank um, start to experience issues. So that has put a lot of pressures on the market. We saw like a lot of people lined up um, in front of the bank trying to like get their money out, which was which was pretty funny. Um, and, and a lot of investors are now fearing, well, not funny from for their perspective, but you know, from a pure optics perspective, um, a lot of people are now fearing a bank run. So when you have like big banks, and if you don't know what the Silicon Valley Bank is, it's like a huge tech bank. They, they like invest in, and loan out to a lot of tech companies um and obviously like a lot of them have suffered which means they can't repay their loans and then and then the bank ends up copying the brunt of the failed repayments so that put pressures on the market probably i got people a little bit worried if there's like a bank run at silicon valley is there going to be bank runs at other banks is this like a systemic issue that could affect the general banking sector it's one of the reasons why as kabisi highlighted in his tweet that we saw uh, U.S. banks, the four biggest banks, actually down fifty billion worth of valuation today, and that's why, like, I don't know, there's just a general distrust with banks. I guess um, bank deposits fell for the first time since 1948. What does all this mean? It basically just means sentiment's pretty shit, and that, and the difficult thing for this is you've got the Fed raising rates, so increasing interest rates during a time where consumer sentiment's clearly tanking. Like, it's not just us crypto investors that aren't that confident in the market, but it's like retail Americans, retail, I mean, everyone around the globe basically worried about recession risk, worried about um, over-indebtedness with the US, like having to raise its debt ceiling. There's just a lot of worry. And when there's a lot of worry on markets, like, what do you think cops the brunt of that worry? It's, it's, it's equities, it's crypto, it's things with risk. It's eventually going to be real estate, but that's obviously like a delayed, um, sorry, that's oftentimes a delayed response to, uh, consumer sentiment because it's real estate's not that liquid. Crypto's liquid. Stocks are liquid. Easy to trade, easy to sell, easy to dump, easy to pump as well. So when things go the other way and the sentiment's really high and everyone's really confident, then obviously they pump more like we saw a couple of weeks ago. So it's kind of the game we're in and we just have to like accept that because we're in this game, we're going to get crazy days like this and we're also going to get crazy days of extreme bullishness and like you can't have one without the other unfortunately that's just the game we're playing this is the outside of 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 svb um 
I think it's an Apple store though. So I, don't, I actually think this was a meme. Um, I thought it was real when I first saw it, but it does look like an Apple store. So that was a joke. Um, all right. So a few other big pieces of news. Uh, first one is President Biden called for a 30% tax on all electricity used to mine Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. President Biden also announced that he wanted to double the capital gains tax, which is obviously like pretty insane. Uh, if you're an Australian, then you'd already be used to 40% capital gains tax, but Americans, uh, you'll have to face our pain now. Maybe if, if that bill passes, once again, don't necessarily know if it will, but that's kind of what's being rumored. And yeah, also this tax on Bitcoin mining, just kind of more headwinds for crypto because more tax is not good. More people want to leave the US when there's more tax. And obviously there's a huge SEC regulatory crackdown happening right now as well, which is adding to this. And we did see that KuCoin is actually facing a lawsuit right now. If we actually go into some of the articles, New York sues KuCoin and expects cryptocurrency crackdown. And the New York uh, Attorney General actually claimed in this crackdown that Ethereum was a security. Now, as far as I'm concerned, Ethereum is a commodity, not a security. And we've had differing opinions uh, about this across the crypto world. But we are starting to see some signs that there's internal conflict, at least how the law views Ethereum. And this conflict has extended to this KuCoin lawsuit where Ethereum uh, was potentially named as a security. So they said that uh, KuCoin is violating securities laws by offering tokens, including Ether, that meet the definition of a security without registering the Attorney General's office. This suit is the first time a regulator has claimed in court, and this is pretty big news to be honest, um, that Ethereum is a security. Through the SEC commission, uh, they've hinted that the agency might consider ETH to be a security. The, the SEC's sister regulatory agency, the Commodities Trading Commission, has long maintained that both Bitcoin and Ether are commodity assets. So Gensler, who clearly freaking hates crypto, and frankly, I don't know how he's still um, in the position that he's in, but I won't get too far into that. Gensler, who clearly hates crypto, uh, has considered ETH maybe to be a security. The New York uh, State Attorney General now hinting that that may be the case, but the Commodities Future Trading Commission believes that it's a commodity. I believe it's a commodity. If you just look at the Howey test and basic like legislative precedent, but at the same time, like crypto is a new transformative industry, like going off policy from the 1930s, 40s, 20s, isn't necessarily that uh, effective in my opinion. I think we need a new framework, but the SEC has been very slow to provide that framework. So this was big news. Maybe on a normal day, this would have been the major headline. Uh, from scrolling my Twitter feed this morning, it probably wasn't the major headline because we had all this macro stuff. We had the job claims. We had the Silicon Valley Bank. We had all this stuff come out and that kind of took precedent. But on a normal day, this would be like basically every single thumbnail in YouTube um, ETH is a security like panic basically so this I wouldn't like fade uh, the like importance of this stuff and obviously that puts pressure on KuCoin as well Huobi another exchange that had a lot of pressure put on it I'm not exactly sure of the reason why it crashed because I don't want to I've heard rumors but I don't want to fud and say anything that necessarily isn't true but we did see Huobi actually drop 50% uh, and at one point I think it was like 70% and then we did see it bounce significantly but this chart looks terrible it almost looks like the chart when UST first collapsed, sorry to trigger like PTSD, and we had that massive dump, then a bounce, and then obviously that second dump, and that basically was lights out from there. So I'm not saying that'll happen to Hobie, I'm just saying this chart looks pretty bad. There's also talks of like a potential merger takeover. There's, yeah, talks of like legal stuff that they're dealing with. I don't know what's happening. I'm not going to 
like speculate on anything, but just wanted to make you aware that KuCoin's not the only exchange that's facing um, scrutiny today. And KuCoin's price, although down 3% uh, on the daily, did see a huge sell-off um, after, obviously, most altcoins all dropped, but after the legal news started coming out as well. So, yeah, remember KuCoin, um, CoinGecko tracks on a 24-hour like rolling basis, which is why like maybe the price dips don't seem as bad, but it did sell off quite significantly. And that's kind of been stirring in the background for a while as well. So lots of stuff happening on the KuCoin side. And yeah, KuCoin getting sued, Bitcoin down to 20K, Huobi dropping 90% in a few minutes, just a normal day in crypto. Uh, it's absolutely insane what we've what we've seen for the market over the last day or so. So let's get into like the title and the thumbnail of the video now, which is the altcoins that are currently being dumped by the whales and is adding additional supply pressure to the market. This is a pretty big story. Haven't heard much, many people talking about it, but I believe it's the reason why certain altcoins have sold off more than others. And there's a few altcoins that you probably hold, which are under this category of assets as well. So the first thing I want to do is go into CoinGecko, go into the 24-hour tab, search by worst performers. There are a few standouts. ApeCoin, one of the worst performers. Maker, one of the worst performers. Shiba, one of the worst performers. Phantom, one of the worst performers. Sandbox, one of the worst performers. You can literally do it yourself. Go into CoinGecko and the top 10 worst performers, at least four or five of them, all belong to Voyager. So there's no coincidence at all that the worst performing tokens right now, obviously barring Huobi and Tron, which are probably dropping for different reasons, um, you know, Justin Sun related stuff. I don't, once again, I don't know what's happening over there, but they're, they're dumping the most. The, the next category of assets that's dumping the most are the Voyager related assets. And the reason they're dropping the most is because Voyager has to pay out its creditors. It owes them, I think, $500 million and in order to pay them out, it must sell a lot of its crypto holdings. And I'm going to show you in a minute here the tokens that it actually holds and also the wallets that are actually shown to be aggressively selling off these tokens. And this has put a lot of pressure on a lot of the altcoin market because not only do you have general uncertainty in the market, not only do you have general macro headwinds in the market, but now you also have altcoin-specific supply pressure. And altcoin-specific supply pressure means these alts are getting hit a lot more than other alts. So let's rewind back to February 28th because we've known about this from a few weeks. We can see on Arkham Intelligence, which is like a wallet tracker, that Voyager was selling tokens at, a at the rate of around $100 million a week. Now, at on February 28th, maybe this didn't matter as much. And it didn't matter at the start of Feb either because there was enough demand in the market at that time. Everyone was very optimistic about a Fed pivot. The market was pumping. You remember Bitcoin was testing 25K. Everyone was getting quite excited and all coins were performing well. So Voyager's sell pressure didn't really matter because there was just enough buy pressure to like absorb all of it, right? There was enough buyers in the market. Now with sentiment being so low, you're stripping away those buyers. Buyers don't actually want to buy as aggressively right now. People aren't comfortable being in the market given some of the macro headwinds. But at the same time, Voyager still needs to sell because they still need to pay off their creditors. So what we've seen as a result is Voyager-related altcoins significantly dropping. We can see some of them here. Ethereum's one of them. Ship's one of them. Link's one of them. Now, with something like an ETH, maybe it's not as bad, because Ethereum's a huge coin with huge trading volume. Like, if you look at uh, crypto.com, 
and we go into the to the daily volume, like 11 bill of ETH traded volume per day. That's a lot of volume, probably enough buyers on the Ethereum side. Like for me, someone that stacks long-term ETH, like even I like would consider becoming a buyer soon, right? Because um, that's just my plan for Ethereum and Bitcoin, which is different from other alts. But for other altcoins, which don't have as much volume and don't have as many buyers and aren't as popular, they're going to get hit a lot more because they were relying off um, this general like liquidity coming into the market. So they actually hold $700 million worth of assets in two very large wallets. They hold a lot of Ethereum, a lot of stables, and a lot of SHIB is actually their third asset. Now, Voyager for the last two weeks has been nonstop liquidating. Um, they've so far raised 40, 400 million in cash and have shown no signs of slowing down. Now, they did get acquired by Binance, so that acquisition is at least slated to be taking place. However, that doesn't mean they're not going to stop um, liquidating assets. So they still need to pay out creditors first. So but Binance can bid on their assets and buy them off them, but they still need to raise a certain amount to pay out the initial creditors, which is why they're currently selling. So let's fast forward into the future to today, um, or actually yesterday, where Voyager addresses showed the increased clearing speed of ETH. Now, this is pretty crazy because this is the Ether balance for one of Voyager's main addresses. Look at how sharply they've started to sell off now. This was like a tiny bit of selling in Jan, tiny bit of selling in Feb. Look at what's happened over the last couple of days. And once again, no one's really talking about this, but this is adding a lot of, of pressure onto the market that wasn't previously there. And obviously during tough macro times as well. So big, big, big sell-off for ETH. And if this graph's anything to go by, we could see their reserves significantly plummet or even hit zero soon. They look like they want to get rid of it all. That is, that's what the graph's indicating to me. Now, it's not just Ethereum um, that they're selling. There's also a lot of other altcoins they're selling. And they're selling, they're sending, sorry, seven to eight figures of crypto to Wintermute and Coinbase daily. We can see here Voyager's main portfolio. Um, you could just see the amount they're actually selling. Uh, ETH, VGX, SHIB, LINK, Phantom, SAD. Now, if you want a full list of the tokens that they're currently selling, and 56 million of sales have happened in the last 24 hours, here is the screenshot. So this is what they've been selling on March 9th. So this is yesterday's data. Data's on a slight lag, unless you have access to like a Nansen. Um so data's on a slight lag, but this is giving us an indicator of what they're actually selling. So we see they've sold a lot of ETH, VGX, ETH, SHIB. These are the biggest holdings. Link, selling a lot of Link. Chili's, Maker, YFI, um, GLM, Compound, Sushi, Band, The Graph, Gala, LRC. These are the tokens that are getting hit really hard because they've got this Voyager selling pressure. Here's the other thing. Uh, we can currently see their remaining assets. So this isn't like the rate of sale. Th these are now the remaining assets on their sheet. And we can see they've got um, Mana, Phantom, Ape, Sand, Engine, Uni, like significant amounts of all of this. Now on the right, like these ones at the bottom aren't as significant, like only 500,000 worth of Aave is not going to hurt the market. Only 840,000 of Bat, 900,000 of Uni is not going to hurt the market. But as we get up to this area here, especially Shib and Link, to some extent Phantom, Ape, I think they can both, withstand this sell pressure but to some extent there is going to be additional pressure here now i think it's much worse for these top end tokens like your eths vgx's shib links because that's where the majority of the sell pressure is happening um or the sell volumes happening rather but it's still putting pressure on a lot of these other alts so i want to go through this thread now from arkham intelligence which outlines where these assets are flowing 
and gives more clarity uh, on the Voyager situation. So Voyager's been selling 350 million plus worth of crypto assets from its on-chain holdings. Here's Arkham's deep dive into what assets are being liquidated and where things are moving. Voyager's been using Coinbase, Binance US, and Wintermute to clear their books. Since the beginning of March, they've sent a total of $133 million over 25 different assets to market makers and exchanges. Their top three largest liquidated assets this month consist of ETH, SHIB, and V. GX, their token. Their liquidation process began in January with 36 mil of Matic moves to exchanges. However, they've seriously stepped up the rate of selling since then. In January, only a single transaction was made. In February, a total of 130, um, sorry, 183 mil um, was made. A total of 138 has been deposited since March 1st. So basically, in the last week, we've seen the same amount of sales as the entirety of February. So they're really, really, really ramping up their rate of sale. Voyager tends to use Coinbase for liquidations with the vast majority of their transactions occurring using new Coinbase deposit addresses. About 3 to 4% of their total liquidation volume was done directly OTC with Wintermute addresses. Most, however, is likely sold on market. So what assets have been sold? Um, we looked through the 50 assets before. Obviously, ETH, SHIB, VGX are the main ones. It's likely that all these crypto assets will be sent to Coinbase in the coming days. We can see some of their portfolio here. However, traders may take solace knowing that Voyager asset holdings have by now been mostly liquidated. So this is the thing. Um, the reason I'm not panicking, although it is like something to take note of, but the reason I'm not panicking is because a lot of their holdings have been liquidated now, like the majority. So yes, there's continued sell pressure and they've currently sold off um, 358 mil, but this sell pressure at some point soon will likely end, although there's still like a sum to come. So I actually did a portfolio. I made a portfolio on CoinGecko to help you guys if you want to screenshot some of the tokens that are suffering here. And like, it's clear. The, the Voyager tokens are, hitting, are being hit harder than um, a, a lot of the rest of the market right now. We can see obviously Voyager got sold off pretty hard, probably because of the Binance acquisition. But then like Apion, Maker, Engine, Ship, some of the coins they hold sold off pretty heavily. So just made, a, made like a um, little portfolio here. <coughs> Bless myself. So essentially, like what, what's the takeaway here? The takeaway is just to just to be aware, uh, more than anything, that if you're holding any of these tokens, there may be sell pressure. In terms of shorting, I wouldn't play a short trade just because it's extremely risky with the general uh, market environment at the moment. So I would just keep my eye on these assets and, and monitor them. There also could be buying opportunities after the Voyager sales. So another way you can play it is like see how Voyager uh, sells off over the last few weeks. So if, go follow Arkham on Twitter. Make sure you're following them to, to get like updates on the situation. Look on chain as well. Uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated on the shows, of course, but these guys will probably give the, have the info first on Twitter. Follow these guys. Uh, track what's happening with, with the Voyager liquidations. And then when we get signs of the liquidation slowing, so it appears like they're, they're ending their liquidation cycle, then you can look at some of the alts that got hit the most and say, okay, Ape just got absolutely smacked. Maybe this is something I look at longing um, when the time's right. So it's not something I do today, but I would definitely keep my eye on these assets because this is forced selling and forced selling in this kind of environment will create opportunities, but I'm not like doing it yet. I just want to be clear. I'm waiting to see what happens because they have ramped up the pace and given the fact they've ramped up the pace, I'm not comfortable uh, buying any of these coins now. And I'm also not comfortable shorting. So we're kind of in no man's land until we have clarity. 
on on when they actually stop selling. But I just wanted to present this story to you guys because it is the reason why a lot of altcoins have been dumping harder than others. And if you hold any of these alts, I'd be just well aware of uh, the fact there could be sustained pressure on the market. But it's not reason to panic. I think macro generally um, generally dictates market direction more so than like independent liquidation events, but it's just making things a little bit worse. I'm also going to get to some questions at the end quickly to like talk about, uh, you know, answer any questions you guys may have because it's very like uh, research news intensive show. This is so much to cover and it's, it, it's a Friday. So there's so much news coming out. Not only Voyager is selling, we also sold, uh, saw Celsius starting to sell and unwrap some of their Bitcoin. This happened earlier last month. So I assume like they've sold the majority, but, we also saw them liquidating assets, FTX assets being sold. So like still a lot of lingering effects from FTX. I think people have, were very quick to like say, you know, oh, FTX is behind us. It's done. Uh, you know, every all, all the four selling's done. No, I don't think that's the case. There are still many counterparties to FTX, which are as a result of these market conditions now starting to face headwinds or as a response to legal proceedings and now starting to face like forced selling. So the lingering effects of FTX, I think, will last for months, if not years. It's not something that just goes away overnight. Counterparties had increased risk, and there are many counterparties which haven't experienced issues yet, which may start to, now that prices have come down, like the recent uh, buoyancy of markets may have delayed some of the ramifications for a lot of these companies, but now they might actually start coming to fruition now that external factors have taken the market down. And that starts to hurt things like their LTV ratios. They might start being start to like force um, pay creditors back. They might be starting to force to be like get margin called from other counterparties. They're all scenarios that that can affect the market. So it's it's a it's a definitely a time to be cautious in the market. Thanks, Mike. For I mean, I don't know if I'd call this alpha. <sighs> See, I'd consider alpha as something that can like make you money, or at least alpha is something that can. Uh, like, I don't know, contribute positively. I don't feel like this video is very positive, but what it is, is realistic and it's honest and it gives you an update on what's happening. And hopefully by the end, you're just fully aware of what's going on in the market right now and maybe you can make better decisions. And I'll give you my plan in just a second. Uh, of course, if you do want to trade any like of these altcoins, whether that is buying or selling, then and you want to do it on a DEX, I think the best place to do it for spot is probably KyberSwap because it'll route the, the transactions through the best routes for you to give you the best rates. So when do you think the time's right to buy or even if you think the time's right to sell, um, of course, that's totally up to you, then you can do so on, on KyberSwap and, and trade uh, and get the best rates. They're on multiple chains. Uh, Crypto Banter, thank you for the update that Bitcoin is below 20. Oh, dear. It is at 20K support now. So if you're a real DGen, you could probably long here. Uh, but then again, like so much sell pressure makes it a hard trade. So if, if you are longing here, it's like a, basically just a scalp trade. It's not a high probability trade. And yeah, you also want to use low leverage and not do too much old coin stuff because it's easy to get stopped out in this market. For me, I'm seeing 18K now. Like I, I, I can't get it out of my head. Like we've broken mid range. If we break 20, we're going to 18. So really we got to bounce here at 20 or we're going to 18. Like that's how I see things in, in absolute terms. Of course, like, you know, this chances people front run longs doesn't quite get to 18, goes to 18.5, goes to 19, of course. But just in general, if we're just 
going off like basic levels, then 20 is like key level, then 18 is the next key level. On the daily, this becomes more clear. You, you can see the range. Really on the daily, like the 200 MA as well, which is like roughly at 20, it's like, like 19.7. That's a very key level Bitcoin needs to hold. Once again, key indicator of market momentum uh, would need to bounce off that uh, 200 MA to like exhibit any sort of life. Because uh, if not, it's like a dead patient. It'll just smash straight through and go to 18, if not. So let's just keep our eye on that. CPI data on Tuesday is going to be a huge dictator of how markets move. Massive. And I would actually go as far, so far to say, right, if we do get 50 BPS, I don't think markets sell off as a result of that because I think it's being priced in. It clearly is being priced in ahead of time. So I don't think 50 BPS will actually tank the markets. If anything, and we see us breaking below 20 as we speak, if anything, I think 50 BPS, we could have a little bounce. It really, it really more depends on the wording because if that's the last 50 BPS hike, then um, it's not alpha, it's omega. <laughs> if that's the last 50 BPS hike, then, and they're kind of using words and terminology that indicates that they're going to start slowing the pace of rate hikes, then market will react positively just to that wording. So I think the wording of Jerome is more important than the actual result, unless it's 25. If it's 25, we rally for sure. But, oh shit, huge sales there. A lot of people now starting to short 20. We probably see us jump up uh, above it again, though, because there'd be also a lot of buyers that wouldn't have gotten their orders in. Um, so my nose is very itchy. Yeah, so 50 BPS probably largely priced in now. Don't think it results in a huge dump. 25 BPS, huge pump. And what I would look at in the scenario of a 50 BPS is the wording Jerome uses. But then again... Uh, who knows like that's on tuesday we're gonna have more data come out over the next three or four days to make better decisions i wouldn't be trading that either i would not be trading cpi please uh don't trade cpi and then don't trade fomc which is a couple weeks after uh because it's just impossible to trade it just really really is you'll just get wrecked every time you can trade you you can take like pre-fomc trades if you think that the market's maybe overreacted in either direction, but no one has an edge on macro. So I wouldn't trade based on an expectation. Essentially is, is what I'm saying. In terms of my personal plans, my portfolio is actually 50% in cash right now. Uh, I mean, I've been saying this on the show for weeks, nothing new to the guys that watch my show regularly. That's purely because I'd rather focus on capital preservation here than, than growth. So I'm not really in a growth mindset. I'm in a preservation mindset because... I know over the next few years, the growth is coming. Maybe even over the next year, the growth is coming, right? So there's no reason for me to wreck myself and burn through all my cash, making silly mistakes now, when I can just go a little bit more risk off, preserve capital, and enter when I feel comfortable personally with my risk profile, and take advantage of what is likely to be better prices. And in the meantime, if I'm desperate to take a trade, I can play LTF stuff. I can long here for a bit of fun if I want. Like shorter, lower time frame, I can long. Who cares? I could take scalp shorts. I could trade narratives. I could trade China coins. I could trade AI coins. I could, I could trade. Like I could degen into altcoins. I can still do all that whilst maintaining 50% capital. It's not really a question of if you can do something. It's more of a question of how much do you want to allocate to doing that thing? So for me, all this altcoin stuff just comes with much smaller percentage outlays at the moment. And I use those ideas. I use that lower time frame trading to keep myself occupied I'll, just because it's fun and I enjoy it and it gives me a chance to degen and maybe I can make some money and add to my cash position. But in general, 
on the higher timeframes, on my long-term plans, which is really at the end of the day, most of which what matters, the rest of this is just noise. In fact, most of this whole video has just been noise. If your outlook is two years, three years, four years, five years, 10 years, my plan for that stuff hasn't changed. And that is I'm mostly in cash. I'm waiting for better risk reward entries. I may miss a short-term move um, in terms of long-term spot, but I'm happier missing a short-term move and being comfortable preserving capital than rushing into trying to make money now, given the headwinds we're facing and the fact I think we likely see lower prices. I made a prediction at the start of the year. And where is my predictions thread? Predictions, Mars Deutscher. And look, I, I might stick to this now. I'm not sure if it'll play out, but I might stick to this. Where's this... Oh, where's this predictions thread? 22 predict... No. Was it 10 or 11 predictions? 11. Okay. So what was my prediction? I had a few predictions here. Not all of them have come true. Some have already come true. Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. I expected a Bitcoin bottom in 2023 on January 3rd. So let's see if this plays out. Let's see if we see new lows. Let's see if FTX was just a deviation. Predictions are pretty, by and large rubbish and i'll tell you why they're rubbish because it's all probabilities a week ago the probability of a bitcoin low was less likely um like a, a new bitcoin low was less likely the probability that a bottom was only was or is already in was more likely because the price was higher and now that the price is lower the probability a bottom is in has now decreased that's just how probabilities work so I don't like absolutes, and that's why this thread was just fun. I just made a bunch of predictions. Some will be wrong, some will be right. I just did it for fun. Um, I don't trade based on an absolute scenario. It's dumb. It's stupid. That's like that's like in poker. If you have like um, pocket like aces, and another ace comes up on the uh, on the flop. So now you have troop aces, but there's like a there's like a straight draw because the next three cards are like king, queen, jack. Like you just assume you win, um, or or sorry, like a like a straight flush draw, for example, because that would be um that that would be the winning draw. Like you just assume you win because you've got troop aces. Like it doesn't mean you're gonna win. You have to think of probabilities. Like is the chance of you winning higher? Yes, but does that mean you are gonna win? No, and and like the poker probability thing an expected value, you can just transfer into crypto because crypto is the exact same thing. It's just probabilities. We don't necessarily know if a bottom's in. We don't know if it's not in. You can only trade based on the cards you're dealt and the current price often uh, changes your outlook or your expected outlook. So this is the prediction I made at the start of the year when prices were lower. I still think it could come true. That was kind of my thinking at the time. Now my thinking's pretty similar. I think like we hit range lows. Whether we make a new low is like a different discussion because that would mean breaking this deviation. So right now probability is that we hit range low. Yes, 100%. That's just what the charts are telling us. That's what that that yeah, we have to trade that sim we have to trade simply sometimes. But in terms of like whether we make deviation lows, which was this FTX uh period, I'm not sure. That's going to require like a big black swan. For me, longing around range low makes sense for now. And 
that would be my, like my next big spot long zone. Someone said long here. It, de- it depends on your plan as well. Just because I'm not longing spot doesn't mean you don't have to. Like, actually, a lot of prices are becoming more attractive now. I'm just very risk-off, to be honest, at the moment. I just... This is why I'm risk-off. For one thing, this is a great quote, by the way. It's my favorite quote in crypto. Print this out. Just Google. I'm actually going to tweet this in an hour, so you can just download it from my Twitter or screenshot this and print it and frame it. Because seriously, you need to frame this quote because it saved me from so much pain, not only over the last few weeks, but just over the last six months, year as I've started to like actually practice this. And it's before you make a decision, ask yourself, am I doing this to protect my money or to make more money? If the answer is to protect money, act more quickly. If the answer revolves around making money, act more slowly. The problem with crypto investors is that everyone does the opposite. They try and act quickly to make money and they act slowly to preserve money. If you flip that around and listen to this quote, you will be a 10 times more profitable investor. Preserve money quicker, make money slower. And that is a reality that I'm just comfortable with at the moment. I've found peace following that ethos. And I, that's the reason I didn't ape in at 24 to 25K. I didn't buy because I, I felt FOMO. When I felt FOMO, I reminded myself of this quote and I, and I remembered, am I trying to make money quickly? Yes, because I'm FOMOing at a potential 25K breakout. So let's make money slowly. Let's wait for the breakout, wait for confirmation. Sure, we'll miss a 10% move, but we'll get a better buy. That is what acting money is. That is what acting slowly to make money looks like in practice. If the answer is to protect money, then you want to do it quick. You want to take profits. So when you hit 25K, take profits, take profits. When you get a pump, take profits. So it's the same thing with shorts. When you get a huge dump, take profits. Don't try and squeeze out that extra little bit. Protect your capital. Sure, you can make more, but who cares? Make your money. Make your money. You, you want to take that money straight to the bank. Someone said it looks awfully dark. Yeah, I mean, it looks... I mean, it's, yeah, it looks dark, but like we're just sticking to the higher time frame plan here. This is actually, to be honest, going to give us a great maybe couple weeks of reprieve to be able to dive deep and research a lot of things that we haven't had time to do. Because honestly, I felt during this pump, especially from a content creator, so much was happening. It was impossible to keep track of. China coins, AI coins, ZK coin, um, market ripping. This is ripping. That's ripping. Now ordinals ripping. Like, it's just too much to keep on track of. I wouldn't actually mind, maybe from a views perspective, it'll be shit, but I wouldn't actually mind from an investor perspective. So as a researcher and an investor, a quieter market to be able to start diving deep on things that I haven't had the time to. Because in crazy markets, you don't have time to research anything. And it's actually quite frustrating as someone that really enjoys the research process and enjoys writing threads. And you guys know. So I actually wouldn't mind a bit of um, a bit of sideways, but not for long. I mean, too much sideways is bad. Too much sideways makes people um, yeah, it's just bad for the space, bad for us, bad bad for everyone. But a tiny bits okay. On chain development's the highest we've ever seen. Forget about prices. Um, this. He's right, by the way. Toby's right. Toby's right. Uh, Toby, look at this. On-chain development is the highest we've seen. 
I mean, okay, it's not the highest because last year, like around the peak, it was higher. And we have seen a drop off and this will probably drop off a little bit more. But even during massive bear markets, you actually don't typically see dev numbers drop off significantly because of what Avachal said on my show. It's very, it's much harder to change careers than it is altcoins. If you've committed to being a crypto dev, you're likely going to stay a crypto dev at least because you don't want the embarrassment of like quitting. Um, and you also likely believe in the space to have the conviction to go into the space. Now, there are some opportunistic devs who just came in to make money and they'll leave. Some of them will leave, but I don't think dev drop-offs coincide with uh, capital uh, price drop-offs and because the dev activity was pretty strong. Now, this report was a month ago, so things have likely changed, but... As long as, as long as dev numbers are strong, things are happening behind the scenes. We don't care about today's price, more time to accumulate. 100%. Long term. 100%. 100%. Do you guys really want 30K tomorrow? Would, ask yourself this question. Do you want, would you rather 30K tomorrow or 15K for six months and then 30K? Or would you rather... That's the real question. I'd rather 15K and then 30 because I have six months then to accumulate and they'll have way more tokens. And then by the time we hit 30, I'll be rich. I think most people would rather 15. If you, if you, if you would rather 30, then you're probably a whale. I don't have as much money in the market as, as I'd like. No way. And that's why I said I was waiting. It's not because I'm scared at all. In fact, I don't have, I feel like emotionally I'm, I've become, become way more detached from the market, which is a great thing from an investment perspective. I'm not scared. I'm just realistic. I'm just thinking about risk-reward. And I've made a, I made a lot of mistakes in the bull run I don't want to make again. Uh, I bought too many dips. <laughs> I, I uh, didn't take enough profits. I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm learning from them. I'm trying not to make the same mistake twice. That's the you, you are like officially an idiot if you make the same mistakes multiple times and fail to change. So wasn't that like the Albert Einstein quote, right? So learn from these mistakes and put them into practice. Because if you keep making them over and over and over again, then you're not learning. If you keep letting emotions take control of your, of your trading, then you're not learning. So that's why I showed you guys this quote and said it was so important because hopefully this helps like actually have some words that can help you put action into practice. Biggest bear trap ever. Yeah, Capo said it was the biggest bull trap. He was right about the bull trap, by the way. He was 100% right. Now it's the biggest bear trap. Um, I mean, it was pretty clear it was a bear market rally. Like there was, there was no doubt it was a bear market rally. And at the time, that was exactly what I was saying as well. The only question was, was it going to break 25K and then become a, 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 a rally up to 26 to 28? And then you take profits around 26 to 28. So the question was, you know, do you take profits here or or do you look to um look for that extension to 26 28? Now obviously the scenario was, you know, you take profits on on invalidation which was slight invalidation around 24, next invalidation around 23.5. So you take maybe you don't get 25k but you take some profits in this range, which is what I did around 24k. Um and then if you do end up being wrong and we break 25, then you take longs and then you look for upside. That didn't happen. We didn't actually get range a clear break of range high and that's okay it just didn't happen um but it was never a new bull market like even if we got to 28 that it just meant 
it was a bear market rally to 28. Uh, because on the higher time frames, there were still like key levels that Bitcoin would need to break to become a new bull market. For me, that's 31K. For me, it's this level at 32K. It's like a new bull market. But I mean, bull market will be largely dictated by macro and we'll, we'll get the signs uh, from a macroeconomic perspective on when that will happen. Someone said it's gone to 12K or less. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, it could, I, but I just don't think... I think 14 is is that is that really like um, probably my like bear bear case. My next bear case would just be like previous lows and probably my base case would be 18. So yeah, I think 18 base case low, uh, then previous FTX lows, then 14. I don't think 12. If it is 12, I'll be wrong. I'll, I'll have bought at 14 and, and I'll be wrong. But if it is 12, I don't really give much of a shit because I would have bought at 14 and this range is just nothingness. Like eventually, if you think Bitcoin's going back to, to its all-time highs, which I do, and Ethereum's going back to its all-time highs, which I do as well, then you, do you really care if you buy at 12 or 14 or really even 18? Not really. For alts, it matters a lot more because some alts are just going to frankly die in, in bad conditions and some alts will just not perform as optimally as you want them to so for alts it matters like a lot more where you buy but for bitcoin and eth i don't think it matters that much i think for alts it matters a lot more i'm actually a lot heavier like eth now and and btc compared to alts obviously because this market these market conditions suck i'll go more risk on when i think a new bull market's starting i, I see i'd rather miss the first 30 percent leg up and then buy alts when like we have a good idea that macroeconomic conditions are shifting than trying to like catch a falling knife now. That's really my mentality. Like why catch a falling knife on alts? Now you might, you might be different. You might be say, okay, look, I would just prefer to DCA over the next year. And to be honest, probably going to beat a lot of investors that way. If you're buying quality assets, you're probably going to beat a lot of investors that try and time the market. I know it's impossible to time the market. I know you're never going to catch a bottom. I know you're never going to catch a top. So I prefer to DCA. But there's zones where I DCA. There's ranges where I DCA. I, I don't have a price where I... Oh, 15K on DCA. Because that's bullshit. It could go to 16 and I'll miss my entries. I would rather DCA in general zones. Potentially, that ends up being the range low zone. I'll keep you updated, of course. If data looks really, really bad and the outlook just looks shocking, then maybe that zone shifts a little bit. I'm adaptive. I'm an adaptive DCA. I'll outline zones. I'll stick to them. But... I'm I'm less focused on price zones and more time zones. Time frame for me is more important than price a lot of the time because price probabilities, as I explained before with the poker analogy, change over time. Like the probability of us hitting a, a low now is higher than it was last week. So I think that's how you have to think of it and more have like time frame preferences. Above 20K again, bull market confirmed. Yeah, and as I said, 20K could very well be a bounce zone. I said before, like maybe a long zone. But obviously it's like scalp long, not not a huge long because this is still bearish. You you, you may very well get a push up and then, then a bounce down. Tuesday's the big day for, for macro data though. Not going to 12K. Yeah, it, it's not. Like this 12K talk's ridiculous. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, that you know, we, we get a small drop, and it's not small, it's quite big for alts, but small in the scheme of Bitcoin. If you go into the weekly, it starts to look a lot less crazy. You know, we, we get a small drop, and everyone starts screaming for 12k. It's ridiculous. It's it's just like everyone was screaming for 30, 40k at 25. Just stick to the freaking range, stick to the range, 
stick to your plans and you'll find it very, very hard to mess it up. But just if you don't have a plan, outline one. Your plan might not be the same as my plan, but at least have one. So you know, you guys know how I like to trade. I have majority like long-term spot. I'm 50%, around 50% cash. Then I have like 10%, which is like leverage trading. Then I have like 10%, which is like narrative trading. And then I have subsets of each like position. So some ETH, I'll, I'll swing trade. Some ETH I'll hold forever. Some ETH is like leveraged short-term scalping only. So I like segment things up into timeframes. Now the percentages I allocate depend on my tolerance. That's why I'm like 50% cash long, long spot portfolio. You might be way more risk on and you might want to be 10%. Or you may be way more risk off and you might want to be 80%. So really the, the thesis of splitting up your portfolio should be the same across the board in terms of like short-term, long-term, um, narrative trading. Like you, you always need capital to take advantage of new opportunities. That shouldn't change. What should change is the percentage allocations. And that's something I can't give you. That's something you have to give yourself. But just at least write it down on a piece of paper. There's ne- It's never too late to plan. Literally, like the earlier you can plan, the better. Today is not too late to plan. Tomorrow is not too late to plan. Next week, next month, next year is not too late to plan. But the sooner you plan, the better. So if you haven't written your full plan yet, at least with percentage allocations based on risk, please get a notepad and do it today. If you don't, if you haven't already done it, I, I do it in Excel because Excel is better. I can just like track my plans, track my holdings on Excel, have it all there, have it online, have it on the cloud. I can change thesis if I'm away. Um, much easier to do it there. But if you need a physical piece of paper and you need to put it on your wall, do that. Late shot's going to get wrecked. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of short setups on alts though. So if we like look through a lot of altcoins, there are decent short setups, but most of them rely on like a short-term push-up. That's why I'm tempted to say we will get a short-term bounce. Um, if you have like Phantom, we we rejected off this key zone. I'm actually going to go into the four alley. We rejected off this key zone. Rejected off the trend. This was like a this was the zone to short. If we do push back up into this range, then that's like another short potentially down to 30 cents, right? So there are setups on a lot of alts for shorts if you are a shorter. But as, um, who was it? DGI just said, late shorts are going to get wrecked. You are a late short now unless you wait for that push up. So you, we do want to see like on a lot of coins. Matic, you want to see hit like a $1.05 again, maybe even like deviate slightly above at the 107 range and then you want to short down to 98. If you are looking at short setups, you want to wait. You want to be patient. Solana, uh, like its next major level is actually like $20, maybe $19. I don't actually love the short on that. But yeah, just go through the coins. Maybe even go through the Voyager coins because these are the ones that have sell pressure. Go through the Voyager coins and look at those setups. And I can do a couple now to give you an example of how I do TA. And remember, I'm not a professional trader. As I just said, 10% of my portfolio is leverage trading. Happy to risk 10%. So SHIB uh, is one of them. Let's go on to SHIB. So this is how I'd roughly do it on SHIB. I'd outline my daily plan and I'd outline my 
short, shorter term plan. So I've got to go into the four hourly. Um, to give you an example here, just going to see if there's like a diagonal trend. I always like to draw in the diagonals first just to get a general feel for market momentum. Uh, we can see here that we are now breaking through the key diagonal. Um, and the next level I would look at, I'm going to go into the daily as well. The next level I would look at to short would be that push up to this horizontal. So I'd look at the this zone. Yeah, it's the 200 MA basically. Um, it may not actually get that high. So on on the short on the shorter term, I'd look at like you can definitely short this range that we fell off. Um, like the 11. I'm going to say 11 cents, but it's got like five decimals before it because it's a shitcoin. Uh, the 11 cent range, but then like the higher probability short would happen in confluence with the MA as well as this horizontal. This area, I'd be more interested in shorting. But yeah, that's going to rely on like a decent push up. May not happen, but chips actually not the best setup. So we can look at more setups. Just keep going through like Maker. Just keep going through until you find one you like and look at the shit with... Um, that's like lost relative strength because that stuff that's lost relative strength is going to be better for you from a short, from a shortest perspective. Why am I doing this? So yeah, on, so maker actually looks, see a lot of these coins look like they're going to get short term bounces, which is why as um, DGI said, late longs are going to get potentially wrecked because a lot of these coins are like on critical support now. Uh, and are approaching critical support on the daily. Maker looks horrible. Um, it did reject off its diagonal as well. Had a couple deviations. You can draw it like this, but it's it's not as tight. That's why like diagonal trends aren't always the best. But I would look at the I would look at the, still the push up to this range um, until I short. And I would also look at this level. Just taking clear. Clear zones. You can see here we we that was support, bounced, rejected. That resulted in the first major leg down. So that becomes clear horizontal support for me. Hopefully that shows you guys like how I would actually like line up a chart like this. And then you've got two levels here. So if price somehow gravitates towards this eight ninety zone, then I would short. So short setups, unless like obviously on the daily you can trade on like smaller bounces. So you could even look at like a small bounce up and short here. That's up to you. I'm not. I don't love the short term scalping. On like longer term setups, you've got like the 890 level to look at. But that's just kind of my logic behind looking for the weaker coins, seeing what their price action looks like, then validating short theories from there. Lido looks bad. Uh, does it? Lido's one of the only coins I'm actually spot long, which. I mean, it is what it is. I've lost money on it. Oh, actually, no, I'm up a lot because I bought the majority in um, November. So when did I last buy? I last bought in November. Yeah, I bought it like a dollar. So I'm still up 2x, so I'm chill. But in terms of like... um, Actually, to be honest, this doesn't look too bad because although... Okay, we broke through the channel. That's That was the first indicator to flip short. It is still in this major support zone, uh, which is this 2-2 level. See that zone there? If it breaks 2-2, yeah, I, I start to get a little bit more worried. 
But until it breaks 2-2, then obviously you've got 1-8 as this next level, then I wouldn't be too scared. But yeah, that does look... It looks menacing. But it is holding on. It is holding on. Bro, did you, do you have ears, to be perfectly like honest with you? Do you have ears? Not going any lower. I literally said, short term, we could get a bounce. I literally said that. And if you bounce, then you look for short setups. Because it's a bearish market. If you're shorting now, you're a late short. So good luck. Um, Phantom Strong Bounce. Let's have a look at Phantom one more time. Where ah, it's not an alphabetical order, it constantly like reconfigures. It's annoying. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, Phantom Phantom looks pretty bad. So it's got the horizontal at thirty four. I would I would wait for like diagonal trend test and then. So I would do this. I'd go like first if you want to short this. I'd go first short. At the 37 range on the first test, second short on the um, break below of this horizontal, and then third short, hopefully somewhere in this pocket, because then you get those uh, the the lineup of both those levels, and you can ladder in with a TP around 29 cents. But not a huge move, but it's an option. It's an option. Just give you guys options. Once again, don't trade with much. Risky market. Pretty shit market to trade in. Just for like someone that needs a bit of adrenaline, wants to gamble, then you can gamble. But yeah, not 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 crazy on that. Short resistance, long support. Basically. Basically. Just longing uh longing support on a higher time frames, higher probability than you know, a lower time frame so that's the only thing i would say when it comes to this the higher your time frame the better generally your setups are going to be but the longer they're going to take to play out and the longer you're going to have to hold mr phantom alpha well i still i think so i think if you want a little bit of alpha now i think mpx still is a solid eco play um waiting to see how the market plays out because clearly it's very bearish out there but since it's a perp dex if you do end up getting increased trading volume, because this is like crazy volatility, if you keep seeing volatility, then trading volume on perp dexes will increase. I think that can be good for MPX. So I think if you're going to play anything, just play like the safe stuff, like the dexes. It's not, it's not, I wouldn't call it like safe in the truest sense of the word because it's damn crypto, but like relative to other narratives, maybe some of them can hold up, like GMX, GNS. They're probably your bets because. And also like LSDs because they're related to ETH Shanghai. If you've got to long anything, they're probably your bets because those are the coins that still benefit somewhat of, of a choppy environment. Reminder too, if you're going to do any trading, make sure you use uh, NordVPN because we do have a good deal for you. So uh, there's a link in the description. We have a $3 a month deal. So 60% off the standard rate and you get one month free as well. And if you don't like the VPN, you can get your money back within 30 days. So it's literally no risk. So if you aren't trading, keeping your uh, identity online secured, then I would 100% recommend that you that you get, get your hands on a VPN. We've got a link in the description to NordVPN. Just thought I mentioned that because they, it just reminded me there in the top right corner that 
now more than ever, it's important to, I mean, and anytime in general, it's important to, to keep safe when trading. So if you are going to trade, I, I would do that. Um, also pretty, yeah, what if they buckle on off wraps? So this is a long discussion and it's one Rand had on the show yesterday, but I will do it. I'm doing a deep dive. What's with the green line on your chart? What chart? There's no green line. This price or Bitcoin chart. I don't know. I don't see green unless I'm colorblind. Um, yellow? Yeah, I don't see green. Anyway, in terms of what the question is on, on off ramps, I'm doing a show today. I've already got it planned. I'm recording and I'm going to get it edited and drop it on the weekend. And that's essentially going to be a overview on what's happening with the SEC stuff. Ah, the blue line. It's the 200 MA. I thought I was going colorblind for a second. It's a, that's green. That's blue. It's a 200 MA. And that's on the daily. Pretty important level. Probably a level, as I said, you can see a bounce off, which we already did. I'm going to head off now because we covered a lot of stuff. Bearish market. I'm probably going to go to the gym and just like do something non-crypto for a little bit. Then I'll come back, record the video, which I'm dropping tomorrow, which will be like an SEC regulatory overview on on and off ramps. And that'll answer your question, Neo. Uh, But until then, stay safe in the markets. Don't take on too much risk. And more importantly, like if you are really like finding it emotionally tough, I would just take the day off the markets. I would just go spend time with family and friends. Freaking cliche, I know, but just go do something fun. Tonight, I'm, I think I'm going to play some poker. Um, maybe some golf later. I don't know. My golf yesterday wasn't the best. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I need, I think I need some lessons. It was very inconsistent. So let, let, I don't know. I don't know about golf, but definitely going to play some poker later tonight. Uh, it's a Friday night as well. Just take some time off the market, approach things again tomorrow. No need to like rush into any crazy trade now. Like, no need to panic. No need to do anything crazy. Appreciate the kind words, Lawrence. And until the next one, which will be tomorrow, I'll see you later. But I'll keep you updated on Twitter, of course. All right. Peace out, everyone.